I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. And welcome back to the First Cup Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson, and he is is live from from Augusta Augusta National National in the the podcast podcast room. room. You've been there. Uh, We got a lot to get to. He's been there for uh, the inaugural uh, Augusta Women's National Amateur. Um, We've got a... A new addition to the field as the field continues to grow. Corey Connors as the winner of the Valero Texas Open. Taking a look at him. Uh, some storylines as well and, and, and everything that's buzzing. So how many peach ice cream sandwiches have you had so far, Kyle? I've only had a half of one. You do a good uh, job of splitting them up into snack bites. I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> so the over-under is like probably seven and a half for the week. So I'm... I'm staying on the under. I've I've actually gotten a couple workouts in. This week is just it's disastrous for the for the health and well being of media members everywhere. But yeah, I'm in this like it feels like I'm in a safe room. Uh, there's like an on air uh, switch that I flipped, so like people outside think that something important's going on in here, but really we're just hollering about field sizes and you know, Jordan Spieth's odds to win the Masters. It's the, uh, it is important stuff. It is the soon to be award winning first cut podcast with Kyle Porter. It's where you, <laughs> it's, it's where you come to, uh, to get all the goods. Um, what are any first, let's, let's talk about, uh, this past weekend. Um, yeah. you were out on the course and, you know, this was something where everyone around Augusta, from what I've been able to tell was, was really excited. And then you had a, a thrilling finish in the actual event, like I felt like for um you know the hype going into it we we mentioned before on the show when you're seeing on social media the the invitations are getting shared and and all the competitors are excited I I felt like the the quality of golf was pretty solid the the fun finish kind of felt like year 1 at least paid off and, and should carry some momentum as that event continues to move forward You know Chip I I came here thinking like Man, I know nothing about women's amateur. I mean, I don't really know anything about amateur golf other than Matthew Wolf, uh, and and definitely not women's amateur golf. And uh, the the event was compelling. Like I I, I didn't know what to expect because like, you, you you know you get out here and you're like, well, I guess there'll be a star, but like, is anybody going to play well? Like, what? How's this going to go? And it was 
I was I was pretty like drawn in by the entire thing. It wasn't there wasn't the tension, there wasn't the like the drama that you that you sense or feel on a weekend at at a, at a Masters, but it was really fun and you know, I think everybody out there really enjoyed it and I I, I think that you know, I, I don't know if you saw Jennifer uh, Kepcha's uh, press conference afterwards or, or saw any of the – saw any of the – you didn't catch that one? No, I, I uh, mean, well, we were we, – it was like – well, the, the finish generated enough buzz that sitting around with some friends on Sunday afternoon, we were talking about the Augusta Women's Amateur, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And And here's my thing, though. Like, okay, so first of all, I want to talk about her presser. She was – she was awesome, and she seemed to, like, understand – the, the bigger picture, like that it was a big deal. And I thought her answer to, um, you know, put this in perspective and she, she kind of wouldn't like go down the path of like, this is so meaningful for women's golf, but rather she went down this path of golf is about having friends and that's what we hope to, to display out there. And I was like, man, that's like the most meaningful thing I've ever heard in a, in a press conference, <laughs> like from anyone, from, you know, from DJ, well, obviously. From well, DJ, yeah, from, I mean, come on. <laughs> from, from Rory Spieth, like it was just, it was such a cool, it, it was such a cool like wisdom moment that I was like, how old's this girl again? And she was, she was lights out. The, the three wood she hit in the 13, I think it was a three hybrid, was just I mean, it was unbelievable. Like it was this like fading three wood to like six feet from two eleven out uh, to to make eagle and and to kind of put herself in position to win. Uh, but yeah, the the whole thing was great. I do get a little concerned about like so it got all these big ratings. Everybody was super into it. So you had a, a perfect storm, right? You had two really good players uh, like kind of going at it down the down the you know, stretch, which was awesome. Uh, but there was also kind of the novelty of it. It was new. Everybody was like, okay, how's this going to go? What's this going to be like? I, I get a little concerned that that wears off and maybe, maybe the ratings or the interest isn't as high next year, but who knows? Like I, I, you know, maybe, maybe I, I do think that they'll be able to do a good job of expanding it and of, of generating interest specifically within the women's amateur game. I th- I think that the um with the timing of I mean obviously all of this was intentional but the timing of it uh, in terms of you know where a golf audience's appetite is for all things Masters and all things Augusta and the fact that they do get to go play that course even if that tee on 18 does make that tee shot just a little bit less intimidating. Um I feel <laughs> I feel like uh, that was something that like getting the Eagle on 13 was cool because we know that that like the, the 13th hole, you know, every, every golf fan and every Augusta, you know, fan is sitting there just sort of pacing out all the different times that they've seen their favorite golfers or in their favorite memories of the championship, you know, what, where the balls were landing along the way. So I think that at least, at least that final round being played, uh, on the course, I think that will continue to generate interest if for no other reason than we just we love to see like we would watch uh if the we watch the juniors you know if I think that we will continue to tune in because not only of the com- the competition but because at this time of year I there's no shortage of masters content that we will not consume. 
Yeah, I mean, you could have a frisbee golf tournament at Augusta National, and I would watch it. Was it foot golf uh, that they they come around to my local? Like Wednesday? Yeah, yeah you got to watch out on Wednesday nights if you're trying to squeeze daylight in June. All of a sudden, all these uh, NC State students come out bare feet, so sprinting around the course. Yeah, for sure. No, I thought that. Uh, I, I I wish I would have thought of this point, but Jeff Shackelford did a, a really good job of kind of contextualizing like this is sort of Augusta National the way that it was originally meant to be played uh, in terms of you know they were playing the members tees but because they're younger and not as long as what we see in the in the masters you get a, a 211 yard shot that is you know that was a that was a risk reward moment and you saw you know, Maria, Maria Fassi, she had a similar distance, but because it was a downhill lie, because it was in the first cut, um, because that's she the name of the podcast, there you go, because she didn't feel like the reward was worth the risk. She lays up and that's compelling. Like, I know it sounds super wonky and super probably nerdy, but that that's the stuff like nobody, like there, there's never for any of the guys, any thought of laying up on that hole it's just a two shot hole for for pretty much everybody you know now maybe if you're phil and you're in the woods and like you know that that stuff's compelling but if you're in the fairway it's just it's go time and so you don't get some of the dramatic decision making in the masters that you got in the anwa uh you know over the weekend and now it's time for Stock Up, Stock Down, brought to you by TD Ameritrade. TD Ameritrade, of course, uh, a big, big-time friend of the show here on the First Cup Podcast. And and I think that while we've we've hit some stock ups, we've hit some stock down so far um, as we've continued to unfurl the segment through the golf season, it, it's hard to imagine that the, the stock is going to be the greatest boost that you could see uh, in your stock beyond any golfer's uh, earnings call, I guess, would be getting that late invitation to Augusta National. And that's exactly what we got from Corey Connors. Uh, 27-year-old Canadian wins the Valero Texas Open. Solid fourth round. Beats out Charlie Hoffman, Ryan Moore, Siwoo Kim, Kevin Streelman, and others to be able to uh, to get that victory. Like what I I cannot say that I had in my uh, in my master's prep I I had not even considered uh, obviously Corey Connors and, and so this one's a, an off the radar addition to me so stock soaring up but where where do we uh, look at Connors in terms of what this could mean for him in Augusta at Augusta or moving forward? Well, I, I thought what was interesting, Chip, is that he uh, he Mondayed into the Texas Open. Oh wow! So he had to he had to Monday qualify uh, in into the event, which is not you know you don't see I, I can't remember the numbers on how many guys have Mondayed in and then won the tournament, but he was in this weird um, uh, status thing where like he was playing really pretty good golf so far this year, but he wasn't high enough up on the reshuffle or I I don't know whatever it's it's too too much to get into, but. Uh, he Monday did so. So this time last week, he's competing to just get a spot in the field at the Texas Open. And now tomorrow he has a press conference at Augusta National. It's I mean it's a, it's a pretty crazy eight day swing for him. Uh, he played here, so he's he's twenty seven. He played here. He's this is only his third major ever. Wow. So he played here in fifteen. He he missed the cut. 
And then he played the U.S. Open in 17 at Aaron Hills and missed the cut there. So this will be just uh, just his third major ever. I, I mean, I don't think he is a serious, you know, candidate to contend this week. But I, I always love that kind of one-week swing from – and especially for him. Usually it's guys that, you know, they already know they're playing – it used to be Houston Open, now it's Texas Open, and, and maybe it's somebody like a, you know, we saw a DA points win the Houston Open a couple years ago. We've seen Matt Jones chip in to win the Houston Open to kind of get into this field. But for somebody to Monday in to the Texas Open, win it, and then get in the Masters field, that's pretty awesome. What do we know about Connors in terms of, uh, you said he's been playing some pretty good golf recently. What's the, well, what's sort of the book on him? Uh. I, I, I don't I don't know I don't watch a lot of Corey Connors golf. <laughs> he uh, yeah you know this year he so he finishes T three at Sony and then he goes four missed cuts in a row, gets into the players, finishes top fifty there, uh, and then wins and then wins the Texas Open. He he's somebody who's kind of and there's so many guys like this and, and they they sort of switch spots like they go in and out. This would be like what I would call the. I don't know, like the Kevin Tway range where it's like, oh, that guy's ranked 190th in the world. He must, he must not be very good. And it's like, no, he, he's really good. He just hasn't gotten into the right spots. He hasn't, you know, finished high enough up in the right tournaments. And then all of a sudden that person will pop into the top 100. Corey Connors is 84th now. And then maybe they'll have a bad six months and fall back down to 190. And I feel like there's just this kind of back and forth with these 100 or 200 guys that you see that are not quite in the like Kevin Kisner Webb Simpson range like these elite players I mean like the top 50 in the world guys right uh, but they're not guys that are going to be like 500 or 600 in the world so there's a ton of guys like this that we see pop in and out of of major championships and uh you know, he's carrying the Canadian flag this week, him and Mike Weir. So we'll, we'll see. All right. Quick, uh, quick additional stock check. Yeah. You know, what we, what do we think? We got Ricky Fowler finishes T 17 shoots a, a 69 on Sunday in the final round to finish at 10 under. He is 10 strokes back of the winner. Any, anything there? What, what are the last minute feels from a player who played well enough a year ago at Augusta to be able to win, if not for uh, some a few bounces for Patrick Reed? Uh, and stellar play. I mean, I'm not going to knock uh, the skill and the performance of, of the eventual winner, but we talk about that a lot with Ricky. Played well enough to win last year. What last minute check on him? How do we feel about Fowler? I feel good about him. You know, I, I read, um, so Joe Pita is a guy that just came out with a, well, actually, about two months ago, came out with a book uh, where he went through he went through and measured every stroke of the 2018 Masters. Okay, and it's like a it's like a 2019 guide to the Masters. So he did he broke down strokes gained for everybody for last year, which is a, kind of the work of either uh, somebody who's very entrepreneurial or or possibly a lunatic right, to go right, through right. Every, every stroke and distance it's it's great work though it's a really compelling read it's like 100 pages i read it on the on the flight over and um the thing that i that concerns me a little bit about fowler is that if you look at the way he finished last year so he, he finishes second behind reed he putted really really well and if you look at traditional winners of the Masters over the last, well, probably ever, but specifically over the last 10 or 15 years, that's that's just 
it's so hard to do that. Like you need to pick up your strokes uh, on your approach shots and off the tee. And he and he did that fine. But the thing that really carried him was the putting. It's the same thing that carried Patrick Reed. And so obviously you can win a Masters doing that because Reed did it and Fowler played well enough to do it. But can you sustain that level of putting success multiple years in a row at a place like Augusta? I, I don't know. That That's the part where I get a little hesitant about Fowler. And that has been Stock Up, Stock Down with TD Ameritrade. Visit tdameritrade.com slash first cut. And fans, one of our favorite times of the year is upon us, as you know, because you're listening to this podcast. It's the Masters, a tradition unlike any other. CBS Sports is where you can get direct streaming access on your phone or computer to live coverage all day for each round of the tournament. The coolest part is that you can choose between four different streams. Whether you want to watch the featured groups of that particular day, follow the field as they come through Amen Corner or Holes 15 and 16, or see top golfers getting ready for their round on the practice range. We've been looking forward to this week since the last green jacket was awarded to Patrick Reed, so you really don't want to miss a second of the action. And the best part is that it's all entirely free. That's right, free. No need to pay a subscription or have an expensive cable package to watch. So download the CBS Sports app on your phone or visit cbssports.com slash Masters First Cut today. And while you're there, be sure to tune in and watch Kyle... That's you, Kyle. On CBS Sports HQ, uh, our free 24-hour sports news network. Uh, he'll be reporting live from Augusta here on this podcast and on CBS Sports HQ. So it's cbssports.com slash Masters First Cut. All right. The last things that we're watching, some of our late hunches, and more right after this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash first. Again, 
Not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out, viore.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. So nine storylines uh, up on cbssports.com. So an, an annual rite of passage and tons more uh, Masters content coming out. We're, we're sitting here recording on Monday morning and, and, and best I can tell, Kyle, You've you've really loaded the uh, the content machine. Looks like a t shirt cannon at an NBA game. <laughs> it's the it's the Athlon preview. What did you call it? <laughs> like Street and Smiths or Athlon preview guide. <laughs> if you were to print it all out and bind it up in glossy cover, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this it, we're we're just waiting right now for uh, for for the editors to just go <laughs> and pepper everybody. <laughs> Before before we jump into it, I want to know just as like you you said you and your buddies are sitting around talking about the the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Like if you guys are sitting around just talking, maybe you did this as well. What's what's the storyline? Like what for you is the because no, I've got my sort of hunches and thoughts and whatever. But like just as a fan, as as somebody who like is talking to people who who are outside of this, what's the thing that everybody's talking about? Um, I. I think that right now it's a little bit of a it's like maybe betting on ponies or uh or you know even I'm trying to think of a good example it kind of feels like the topic of conversation is like who you got who you rooting for and because there's mm. so many options everyone's kind of lining up like oh no 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 I I, I want to see Speeth get right or I I hope Rory finishes the slam or like for the most part everyone among my circle of friends is in agreement that if Tiger Woods wins this thing like pants off right like just <laughs> yeah. just by, by Friday lo- yeah losing losing our minds and, and so I would say that we've advanced kind of to that next step where you know someone's throwing out it's like ooh like I would I, I would love to see uh you know, I would love to see Ricky get it done. Or I, it's it is very much uh, a flavor. You know, what's what do you order in? You know, what's your favorite brand of ice cream? And I, I think that speaks to kind of or you know, I think we, Justin Thomas is another one. Like, oh, and you know what else is coming up in conversation? Which w- the the people that are just out here like, oh yeah, and no, I'll be there on Saturday. That's the one that really stings. When the Masters conversation bends from who you got, or who who you excited about watching to like, so which round are you going to? Oh, no, I'll be there oh, all yeah. week. And you're like, oh, yeah. you're trying to... <laughs> yeah, that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> the jealousy, the, when, the, the conversation actually ends when people start talking about who's actually going. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I have a take. I have a take about all this. And... The take is that so there's been a little bit of chatter in my circles about like, man, are we due for a bad winner? Yeah, like just a just like a like a Corey Connors. No offense. Um, and here's my take: I think we've kind of gotten like secretly bad winners at the Masters in two of the last three years. Like I think we're actually due for a great winner. Mm. So here, here's keep, why. Keep so, going. so going into last year's Masters, uh, Patrick Reed was ranked 24th in the world. Uh, he had kind of been ranked in the 20s throughout the beginning of 29 or uh, 2018. So you know, good player, may, maybe not like elite at the time, but good, really good. 
2016, Danny Willett going into, uh, let's see here, going into 2016, well, he was ranked, uh, you know, top 15, top 20, somewhere around there. Uh, and then, uh, let's see here. And then he bumped up to ninth after winning the Masters. So, again, like, good, but not he, – he's just – you know, he's not an elite name. Like, right. And, and, I, and I would argue that Reed isn't either. And, I would agree. You know, Sergio's an elite name, and he was, you know, top 10 or 12 in the world at, at, at the time that he won in 2017. So, I just I, – I think you could make the argument that based on sort of the context and the way that golf is set up right now, that Reed and Willett were both – not like kind of quote unquote bad winners. I'm not saying they were bad players, but uh, they were bad winners for how good kind of these fields were over the last few years. Would you say that was, was Charles Schwartzel a bad winner? Yeah, for uh, sure. On Hill. On Hill is one of two guys to be ranked outside the top 40 in the world in the last like 25 years. Wow. To win the masters. It's him in Oh nine. Was it 09 that he won? 08? 09. Yeah, Immelman was 08. And uh, Zai Johnson in 07. Is Immelman a bad winner? Uh, Yeah. And then and then uh, I guess the other one that you would... Here, here's here's where it gets dicey. Is Bubba a bad winner? Uh, No, I don't think. I, th- I actually think him winning twice makes him not a bad winner. So some of this is retroactive, right? Like if Reed goes on to win... Uh, you know, six majors. Obviously, he's he's no longer a bad winner of the eighteen Masters. And I'm just saying, like, based on the way that I sort of view things right now. And again, like, this is not to say that these guys are bad players. Maybe just not like the elite level winner that you want from a tournament like this. Is will the winner of the 2019 NCAA tournament be a bad winner? Uh, no, because no. Well, if it's Texas Tech, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, because that's—I mean—that's like basically what you're hinting at is we get to these, uh, we get to these points where we've we've done so we're assembling the best of the best. We're assembling them on a an unbelievable um, setting, stage, historic stage, and when we're asking for the the competition to. When we're asking for the the competition to sort of sort itself out, there is the the hope in the back of a lot of people's minds. You know, especially those that are not connected to one individual golfer or one individual team. That you know, these one of the twelve that matter, one of the four that matter. You know, somebody with some NBA players or a really entertaining watch is going to end up at the very very end. And it's just you know the way competition goes. That that team and those golfers might not be the ones that end up at the end. Like it, it wouldn't have been a bad. Like Kenny Perry was in a playoff to win a green jacket in the last like ten wow. years. I know, I know. That's Kenny so Perry, crazy. like, <laughs> and I think he, I think he bogeyed like didn't he bogey seventeen eighteen to fall into a playoff? Yes. And then he, and, I think, and, and then didn't he like eliminate himself in the first playoff hole too? Like he just fell apart. And those like yeah, was it? It was what him, Chad Campbell, and Onhell. Yeah, and I just I feel like uh, I feel like even in the last five years, like just the level of 
competition and play in this field has has just been has just skyrocketed. Like I almost I almost look at Justin Thomas as sort of the X factor for all this, which I know sounds dumb, but I, I just I feel like he like ushered in, and I know him and Spieth are the same class, you know, whatever. But like it feels like whenever he got great, like it ushered in this era of like, wow, there's so many guys that are good. And I, I know that like statistically that might be stupid, it might not be true, but that's kind of the way that I view things in my head. Like I look at things in a pre-Justin Thomas era and a post-Justin Thomas era. Wow. And I know I'm o- I know I'm opening like Pandora's box here, and I don't mean to do that. I'm just saying like for the sake of people listening, like that's the way that I that I and I'm not even saying this is the correct way to do things or right to do it like this. I'm just saying like that's how I view things in my head. Mm. Okay. I want to move again from uh, in, into one of your storylines because coming off the Final Four and uh, and helping out with cover to that for CBSSports.com over the weekend, uh, nothing makes me bang my head against the wall than when one of the top storylines are the officials. Because in one way, it is extremely accessible and relatable because everyone's feeling like they're getting screwed by a ref or that they, you know, they are uh, you know, catching an unfair break or that someone got something wrong. And everyone in all walks of life is, is very excited to point at something else and, and tell them how they're not doing their job right. Officials catch it you know, more than anyone. There is creeping dread that we're going to have some like skull numbing controversy with the rules that ends up taking over and becoming uh, that, that low hanging fruit talking point. That's going to let everyone in that might overshadow some elite play. What if, uh, what if somebody puts a ball with a pin in and it gets hung on the side, you know, like it goes in. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like hung up and then it like pops back out. I mean, I think that like, I, I think that, I think Brandel Chambly might not make it through that. <laughs> I mean, well, no. All right. So how does the rule work? Do you have to just sit there and wait for it? Or can you go and like move? Can you like shake the pin so that it falls <laughs> just, in? Just rattle it around a little bit. Yes. I, that's what I'm, I'm imagining someone's going to putt. It's going to get hung up. The caddy's going to walk. He's going to lift the pin out. Ball's going to drop in and everyone's going to lose their minds. Like I, I, I want whoever wins the Masters to make like a 16 footer with the pin in, but it not drop. And they just like, they don't even reach in the hole to pick their winning ball up. Like they just kick it out. Like they just pop it out with their toe. <laughs> no, we can't do that. Would, we can't handle it. Would, it. It would be incredible. Speaking of the refs, like don't you love it when writers or, or blogger, like team bloggers are like, now I usually don't, like they start something that says, I usually don't complain about the refs. But. But. <laughs> It's like, I just, like, I made a rule on my OSU site. I, I literally just will not write about anything related to the referees. I just, I can't, it's, it is so, like, there are so many, um, the, it, it is, they can be breaks that are as bad as they come, but they are yeah. breaks that can be as bad as a ball rimming out or like in yeah. football, like the, in football, I always say the ball is shaped funny and bounces weird. Sometimes crazy stuff happens. Like if you're going into an event thinking that like everything is, is going to be like 
100% perfect and fair and like are you why are you even following sports right like, it is what it is like, right no, nobody's out to get you anyway um yeah I, I I hope it doesn't happen I mean I just don't know that anything can top the tiger uh, the drop, drop in 13 yeah that was my first masters to cover and I just rem- I I mean it was like I I it was so it was so crazy and I, I went hey, back let's, and let's that. review that real quick for the listeners because that was six years ago. Yeah. So someone so, called it in, right? Somebody called it in. I went back and reread. Michael Bamberger did like a background piece on it after the fact, and it was amazing. And essentially, Tiger hit the stick on 15, and with his third shot, it hits the stick, goes back in the water, and you, based on the rule, you have to drop it as close to where you uh, think your previous shot was from. Well, he had a divot, so he could have dropped it like right next to the divot. But he said on air afterwards that he that he went back two yards because he had a better number from two yards back. And so he was admitting that he did this on purpose. He didn't, I don't think he knew what the, like he didn't break the rule on purpose, but he did what he did on purpose. And somebody, a, a, I think a former like rules person had called the Augusta like officials and, and people that were in charge of the rules and Fred Ridley, who's the chairman of Augusta national now was in charge of the rules at the time and said, no, it wasn't, he hadn't heard what tiger said and, and he saw the replay and he said it wasn't far enough away to, to look into any further. So he let it go. And because that happened, they were able to enact a rule later on that said, uh, this, like we're gonna let Tiger stay in the field, we're gonna penalize him two strokes, even though he signed an incorrect scorecard because we had the opportunity to correct it earlier and we didn't. So the person calling in actually saved Tiger from being disqualified from the 2013 Masters. Good gravy. But the but the the best anecdote of the whole thing is that when uh, Augusta National called Tiger, they called Mark Steinberg as agent. And Bamberger reported that he was at T-Bone Steakhouse uh, on Washington Road at the time. That's, that's, a, that's by far the best part of the whole thing. <laughs> I've eaten at T-Bone. It's great. Well, I mean, it's it's Augusta, Georgia. Don't don't you yeah. kind of have your list at this point of the places uh, places to go? Yeah, you got, a, you got a Waffle House for breakfast and lunch, and you got a T-Bone's for dinner. And that's the full day. <laughs> Um, all right, so we've talked a lot about Rory uh, with Sean Martin. Listen to the episode with Sean Martin. It was a very good uh, conversation. We talked a little bit more about Spieth. You've, you were on CBS Sports HQ this morning, and, and you're really starting to, to drum up this Sergio as one of the more intriguing characters of the, the Masters. Is, is that based on um, you know Sergio, the, the player, and his recent activity? Or is there also packaged in with this the idea that he could be a threat to win this thing? I, I think it's all of the above. He's playing pretty good golf. Uh, he played well at – where did he play well recently? Did he play well at the players? He played well somewhere recently. It might have been right before the players. He played pretty well at match play, obviously lost to Kuchar. But he's just – like you've got these different angles that you can look at guys from and every angle from which I look at this tournament at, like I see him. Mm. So you've got the, you've got the historic thing with him having won two years ago. You've got the, uh, Saudi Arabia controversy. You've got the Matt Kuchar controversy. 
And then you've got him playing pretty good golf. You've got the you've got the thirteen on fifteen last year when he hit five balls in the water. So there's just a, and Kyle thought that he was watching instant replay, but it was live. I did, I did, I I had no clue what I was watching. Uh, and so, you, like, you, there's just a lot of different there, there's a lot of different angles uh, t- from which to see Sergio, and and I think that he's going to be one of the more com- because he's playing pretty good golf. I think he's going to be one of the more com- compelling figures in this year's masters t6 at wgc mexico for sergio t9 at honda classic so I, yeah okay great back-to-back yeah. weeks right there and how about uh this one uh sergio garcia tweeting about it was nice to run into matt kuchar at the austin golf club today a lot has been I said about that. saturday and most has been misconstrued we're all good here nothing but respect for each other it's time to move on i love it when when players or, or athletes say things have been misunderstood or misconstrued and it's like no nah, I, th- I think we like understood them exactly the way that they happened <laughs> uh and that's just the word you're using to like try to get this to die down and of course uh because he is Sergio. Asto bien on tweets. True bilingual tweeting everything in uh, two languages. All right, Kyle. Um, I'm going to release you from the safe room now. We'll we'll meet back here on Wednesday so that we can get out our final expert picks, top ten locks, sleepers. I hope we'll have some tournament head to heads, some odds, breaking it all down. Um, you don't you don't want to do any Rory right now? We can do some Rory right. Don't you feel like we've what What are you thinking about Rory right now? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think he could like, I think my question is like, what's his floor? Like, is his floor really a top 10 finish? Because all the evidence that I have of him at the masters in the last five years and of his play this year is that there's no chance of him finishing outside the top 10. And so I'm really curious to see how the first two days go because you know, Chip, like, we talked about the strokes game. We talked about like how well he's playing. The reality though, is that for him to win, I think he has to play awesome on Thursday, Friday. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think he can do this thing where he goes like 66, 66 on the weekend to like run down. Um, I don't Justin Rose and Charlie Hoffman, because obviously Charlie Hoffman will have to be run down. Uh, so like, I think he has to be awesome on Thursday, Friday. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see, just how he gets rolling in, in the first round. Well, But what you're looking at when you're talking about his performance on Thursday, Friday is his ceiling. Because to me, when you ask what's his floor, his his floor is to play poorly, then play very yeah. well yeah. and you know end up and maybe not end up top 10, maybe end up like T12 or T14 or something like that. But like I I think that's the floor. The floor is that he do, he comes out and goes 70, 70 on Thursday, Friday. He is not yep. excellent. He is very much no. in the mix, but not excellent is kind of what I see from in, from him as the floor with maybe a a sixty six or a sixty five somewhere. We sixty five on Saturday last year, right? Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, you're 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 totally right. I think you said it really well. And we're gonna do the stupid thing. I'm gonna do the stupid thing where if he goes seventy seventy. And then shoots like a 67 on Saturday. We're like, oh, this is going to be the great, you know, and then he's going to peter out and he's not going to win. And so, like, can, I mean, I think my question for him is, can you go win, a, can you go win the slam on Thursday? Like, and, and I think for other people, that's a little, that's a dangerous game to get into. But he's such a front runner 
and he's such a like I just I think if he does the thing that he did in 11 when he melted down I think he went 65 68 or 65 67 to open I think that's I think that's a wrap Mm. I mean I think I I don't think he melts I don't think he well no he doesn't melt down no chance right and so I just I think he is one of the few guys that can like can legitimately like Spieth did in 15 go win the golf tournament I remember tweeting in 15 on Friday afternoon this thing's over and we had the we did the whole like oh how's this going to play out still 36 holes but it was over like there that was not that was not happening like it was not Spieth was not releasing that tournament from his grip and I think Rory has the ability to do that over the first two days Jordan Spieth win I mean I mean I've like like everybody else, I've just been reviewing and, and digging back through Jordan Spieth's win. I did not appreciate it at the time because it was followed by so much success. And and now, like just sort of looking back at it with uh, some distance, I mean that that's got to be the most like the most impressive performance by a younger younger player since Tiger in '97. Uh, at the Masters, yeah. Yeah, so I talked to Justin Ray about this. I've got a piece coming out on, I guess today, Monday. Coming out of that content t-shirt cannon. (laughs) 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 I did a a Q&A with him for like 30 minutes, and he said that the only um, five-year stretch to to, like any five-year stretch at Augusta that's been better than Spieth's five-year run over the last five years uh, since 1967, so what is that? The last uh, 50 years, essentially, yeah, has has been from either Tiger or Phil. Oh my god! So it's it's not it's not the best stretch ever in terms of strokes gain. That's I think Hogan had a couple in the 50s and 40s. Arnold Palmer had some in the 60s and 50s, but in terms of the last 50 years, it's right there with Tiger and and Phil. It's I mean it's it, which is crazy. Goodness. Um, hey, don't forget cbsports.com slash masters first cut. That's all one word, masters first cut. cbsports.com slash masters first cut. Uh, download the CBS Sports app. You'll be able to scroll through Amen Corner, holes 15, 16, the practice range, the feature groups. Uh, on CBS Sports HQ, you'll be able to see Kyle Porter, who's going to be all over the place. Uh, as well as here on the First Cup Podcast. Thanks to TD Ameritrade. Make sure that you subscribe, review, and rate. Uh, We're going to be Kyle Wednesday, expert picks, and then uh, a little weekend preview on Friday. Yeah, I can't wait. Just all week, just... Just punk, just t-shirt cannoning the uh, the podcast as well. Subscribe and you don't even have to worry about it. It'll just get delivered right to your phone. Uh, Kyle, we're going to release you from the safe room now. <laughs> Thanks. Chip. Follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Kyle, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip. <laughs>